This is Hassan Akram, your host for Autonomous Vehicle Safety and Security Podcast, brought to you by Matrix. Today, I'm going to talk about making your millions in a $9.7 billion industry. So here is a snippet from a McKinsey white paper where you can see that 2020, it was a $4.9 billion industry. By 2025, it's going to be $8.4 billion industry and $9.7 billion industry by 2030. So it's a market that it's worth investing into. Be it your career or you want to build a business, whatever that is, it is a market where there's a lot of opportunity. Welcome to Talk Cyber CNI. Today already the eighth edition. So as usual, we have uh, for your monthly speaker series uh, the presentations in LinkedIn and YouTube, and we have as usual Slido for the questions. And uh, I'll briefly explain how that works. So on the left side, you see the QR code uh, for this leader, which you can scan with your smartphone and you also see the URL, which is slido.com. And uh, the code for today is CyberCNI8 because it's the eighth edition of your monthly speaker series. As usual, please ask lots of questions in there. Join as a second channel because you can upvote questions and download questions and you can get inspired what your fellow viewers, watchers, what they are asking, what the discussion is. As usual, the format will be about one hour of presentation and then afterwards we'll have a good 30 minutes for your questions or some more discussion. So please uh, ask a lot of questions. I'm uh, sure that has some very interesting answers. And uh, yeah, so this is about the questions. And welcome to today's talk. In today's talk, we have, uh, as you already heard in the trailer at the beginning, automotive cybersecurity, how to make millions in a 5.1 billion industry. And I'm very happy to welcome Hassan Akram today as a speaker. And it's a special pleasure to welcome Hassan today because he's doing a lot of things on the internet. So he's regularly on YouTube, on LinkedIn, and so on. And therefore, I'm especially looking forward to the talk because he's a very experienced speaker and because he's really an expert in the field of automotive cybersecurity. So Hassan is a computer scientist, serial entrepreneur, and he's also the host of the podcast Autonomous Vehicle Safety and Security. He is specialized in embedded security and machine learning, and he's currently working as the founding CEO of Matrix GmbH, a company specialized in automotive software and security based in Munich. Hassan obtained his Master of Science degree in computer science from the Technical University of Darmstadt in 2008 and his PhD degree in computer science from Technische Universität München in 2013. He has successfully participated in the Harvard Leadership Program at Harvard University in 2016. He has more than 11 years of experience in the automotive industry and worked for two 
the major German automotive OEMs as an external consultant. Hassan also has published a number of peer-reviewed papers and has received the iCentric Best Paper Award in 2008. And now you know a little bit our speaker of today. And without further ado, Hassan, I'm very happy to hand over to you and I'm looking forward to your talk. So the stage is yours. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, and thank you very much for the kind intro. I have enormous respect for you. I must say that you're one of the most hardworking person I've ever seen. Thank you so much for your kind words. I'm really, really honored to be here talking to your community. I'm really excited to share my thoughts here. So without further ado, uh, let's begin. So today I'm going to talk about making your millions in a $9.7 billion industry. So 9.7, as you've probably seen in the title that we've published, it's 5.1 billion, which is today in 2021. It's projected to be a $9.7 billion industry in 2030. So I thought about, you know, why not talk about 9.7? And it's automotive cybersecurity. I'm really excited about that. The agenda, the thing that I'm going to cover today is I'm going to talk a little bit about the brief history of automotive cybersecurity and where do we stand today. And I'm going to raise some challenges that we're trying to solve. And obviously, within these challenges, there are opportunities for you, for us. And this is how you're going to make your millions. And I'm going to give you the formula for that. So now the question is, you know, uh, why should you listen to me? Um, Mark told a little bit about me, so I'm not going to go into extensive about background. I'm going to talk a little bit about me. Why should you listen to me about this? This is a snippet of my LinkedIn profile. This is where I was in CBIT demonstrating our smart home demonstrator in e-health scenario. And yeah, this is what I do. I do cybersecurity in the automotive industry. My company is serving like car hacking. We serve in the automotive industry, automotive cybersecurity industry. I'm also the host of the podcast, Autonomous Vehicle Safety and Security. We've been featured on also various German TV channels with our car hacking and stuff. And I'm an industry insider. You know, I am making money within the automotive cybersecurity industry and I have like eight figure track records. So I'm not saying this to in order to boost or something. However, I just want to tell you that there are a lot of fake entrepreneurs today who will tell you how to make money when they actually haven't done it themselves. So you got to be careful. Before I even spoke about this industry, I wanted to make sure that I do have the credibility to talk about it. And what I'm going to tell you is really, really real stories from the industry. And I'm going to share that with you today. Before we begin to talk about where we are in the automotive cybersecurity industry, Let's go back in time a little bit. I'm talking about going back in 2005. I was still a university student, 2005, 2006, 2007. And in my master's thesis, I still have this, and one, one of my papers that I published back then, I still have this, this screenshot. You know, I, I think in this crowd today, many of you are too young to even recognize this. This is really the early phase of Facebook. Now, here's an interesting thing that we criticized, I criticized, the entire community criticized, and this is, this is really interesting. I want you to pay attention. This is one of the killer features of Facebook, why Facebook was so successful and really exponentially growing. Here, you could import your buddy list from your Gmail, from your GMX, from your MSN, from your Hotmail, from your ICQ, from your AOL, and whatnot giving the username and password 
in this field. What was happening in the background, you were giving your username and password for all these things to Facebook. Facebook was impersonating you to log in in those services and importing your buddy list. And this happened at a scale of hundreds of millions. I was a computer science student. I did it. I criticized it, but I did it. Forget about your grandma. You know, young, smart, technically solid people also fell into this. Now that happened at a grand scheme. And we talked about, you know, this is not going to end here. Of course, we have solved this problem with protocols like OpenID, OpenID Connect, OAuth, and all those. This doesn't happen anymore. We have much smarter way to deal with third-party data exchange. But this happened really, really when it was the time of the West, but back then it was, it was really, really rudimentary. And it happened at a massive scale. Now, you didn't need to be Nostradamus to predict Cambridge Analytica. You know, Cambridge Analytica happened. If you read those papers in those privacy conferences that we were publishing, we were criticizing such thing and we knew that something like this is going to happen. History is kind of repeating with this paradigm shift in automotive, like self-driven cars. And we're seeing such ads, such ways of promoting autonomous vehicle. And we know the danger. We know the danger. The only difference is when things went wrong, like Cambridge and Analytica and so on, we lost our data, we lost our privacy, we probably lost a lot of money in some of the cases. But when things will go wrong in autonomous vehicle, in driving, people will be losing their lives. And that's what worries me. That's what keeps me up at night. And that's really the challenge that we are dealing with today. I'll take you further back in time. The year I was born, you know, when I was really, really three, four years old, there was this series on TV, Knight Rider. And Knight Rider, I was obsessed by the Knight Rider car. I, I even had a Knight Rider toy car. Now, a lot of those Hollywood things that we see today is becoming reality. We have self-driven cars with this, this gentleman that you see on the screen. His name was Michael Knight. He could communicate with his car, with his watch. There was no such thing as smartwatch back then, but there was a smartwatch-like device. And this is what we can do today. We can communicate with our vehicle, with our vehicle, with our, with our smartwatch and automated parking and all those. Other than the lethal weapons that this car had, pretty much everything became reality. So Hollywood does become reality at one point. And now, what we're seeing recently in contemporary time, what we're seeing is like Fast and Furious 8, where you see that you take control of thousands of zombie car and you can make cars rain in the city. You know, you, you launch an attack. So, and we've seen that even this Hollywood scenario is becoming reality. We have seen that in 2015 when Charlie Miller and Attel, it was in the lab setting, conducted this remote attack on this Chrysler vehicle. They shipped a patch, this was taken care, but we know that this is possible. We have conducted such experiment in our labs too. So now we know that this is possible. So this is the challenge that we have in automotive industry today. And the potential of this challenge, the, the magnitude of the challenge, in my opinion, is massively underestimated. It's massively underestimated. The entire cyber criminal industry's attention 
is somewhere else because those are easier and it is more uh, viable for them to, you know, uh, get some millions of ransomware when they take control of a corporation rather than cars. But the possibility is there. The genie is already out of the bottle. The possibility is there. So with this possibility, I think there is a massive, massive underestimation of automotive cybersecurity uh, in general. So with that, I'm going to paint the landscape of automotive cybersecurity in four generations. So the problem of automotive cybersecurity started because cybersecurity, we never thought about cybersecurity when you built a car. We never thought that this could be connected. The problem of cybersecurity started when we started with connected vehicle. And connected vehicle came in several, and is still coming in several generations. The first generation, which I call the first generation of connected vehicle, is those days where your vehicle was not really connected, but you could connect your mobile device with a jack or with Bluetooth with your vehicle, and that's it, your vehicle was connected. Theoretically, you could have been attacked. Theoretically, someone could, from your cell phone, get into the CAN bus and perform an attack. So that was the first generation. The second generation is somewhat what we are today. Most of the vehicles today are connected with a backend. All your vehicles have got an IP address. You're connected with your backend. Your vehicle has an infotainment system, an OBD2 port that can be connected or uh, OBD2 port has also sometimes a Bluetooth interface that you can connect your vehicle to. So that's this generation two. Generation three, is where we are heading and somewhat already today is vehicle to X communication. So your vehicle will not only be connected to the back end, it will be connected and communicating with other vehicles, other entities, infrastructures, road systems, and so on. So this is generation three. And generation three and beyond is autonomous vehicle, electric vehicle, where your vehicle will be taking a lot of inputs and communicating with the environment. And when it comes to environment, it goes beyond unknown. It's the unknown unknown. So when you know something, you can take measure. But the environment is so complex that you can never know everything. So you cannot take all the measures. Moreover, when it's an electric vehicle, you have to connect with the charging station and here is another attack potential. So that's the generation four or beyond generation three that we are heading toward. And this is the problem landscape that we're talking about. Now, I wanna emphasize that this talk, as far as today's talk is concerned, is about the market potential of this landscape. We're not talking about the back-end security. Back-end security means the infrastructure security of the OEMs or the cloud security of such an environment, because that is enterprise cybersecurity. That is something not that you have to reinvent or contextualize in automotive. So this is very special, what we're talking about. This is really embedded security with connectivity and the environment that we're talking about. This is something somewhat new for the traditional cybersecurity experts. So here I would like to summarize the challenges. The challenge number one that I see is cybersecurity was not historically thought about. We have the CAN protocol, controller area network. That's a fantastic protocol that we, we, we created. There is no thought about security 
ever. That's out there in the vehicle and that's gonna stay for a long time. Second is the paradigm shift that we talked about. You know, three revolutionary things that's happening in the automotive industry. Connected vehicles, electrification of vehicles, autonomous vehicles. By the way, autonomous vehicle is an $8 trillion industry that has been estimated. So these are the paradigm shifts that's happening very fast. Third challenge that I see, cars that are already built, that are already out there with a CAN protocol with absolutely no security in our lab when we open up a car and try and hack it and we see that there is absolutely no security, no encryption, nothing. It reminds me somehow, I think, again, you guys are too young to remember that. Those of you who uh, studied computer science in the early 2000, in the, in the beginning of 2000, we used to have Emerson Messenger and it was the message of Emerson Messenger used to be absolutely unencrypted. And you could actually sniff whatever your friends were saying in the network very easily. That was like everybody could do that. So this is exactly where cars are today. Now, when I say today is today's vehicle. So the vehicle that is that is manufactured in 2021, they are putting some uh, encryption mechanism and all those. It's a little more sophisticated. We have CanFD and some, in some cases Ethernet too, but the cars that are already out there, there are many of them absolutely without encryption, without any security measure, without, they, they never thought about cybersecurity. Then the point four is nobody wants to pay for cybersecurity or safety. You know, nobody wants to pay for safety. Nobody wants to pay for cybersecurity. But we want to have a secured car. We want to have a safe car. We want that to be built in in the vehicle. Nobody wants to pay for it. That's another challenge. And the final challenge that I see is extreme shortage of experts. Extremely hard to find cybersecurity experts specialized in the automotive domain. Now, within these challenges that I've mentioned, there are tremendous opportunities for you. I'm gonna tell you some of those today and I'm gonna give you some of the ideas, some of the insights, some of the industry insights that I have and I'm gonna share them with you, so stay with us. Now, let's go to the opportunities. So here is a snippet from a McKinsey white paper where you can see that 2020, it was a $4.9 billion industry. And by 2025, it's going to be $8.4 billion industry and $9.7 billion industry by 2030. So it's a market that it's worth investing into. Be it your career or you want to build a business, whatever that is, there's a market where there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Now, let's look at the market segments. Here, 2.4 to 3.4 are gonna be process-related cybersecurity solutions. And 2 to 5.3 billion is going to be cybersecurity development-related activities. And 0.6 to 1 billion are cybersecurity hardware components like HSM, hardware security modules, or so on. Here is an interesting thing. Here is where your opportunities are, you know, very, very evident that in 2019, there was about almost 300,000 cybersecurity experts, jobs that was unfulfilled in Europe. Statistically, globally, there are 3.5 million cybersecurity jobs unfulfilled. And I'm not talking about only automotive cybersecurity, this is cybersecurity in general. One interesting thing is these are pre-COVID numbers. COVID was not taken into consideration. I think in my bet would be COVID has, has changed it in a way that these numbers are probably doubled or quadrupled. 
Now, in order to validate this, you just have to do some Google search and you will see the numbers that I'm talking about. It's massive. So this is a massive, massive opportunity for all of us. Here, I'm sharing some of the secrets. If you want to build a business or build your career around automotive cybersecurity, let me share this secret. This is really, really, I'm not talking from any assumption or any white paper or anything. This is an industry insight that I'm sharing with you. We receive RFQs, requests for codes for, from OEMs, from tier ones, from chip manufacturers and so on. And what kind of code do we receive? What are the things that you have to do in cybersecurity? Because cybersecurity is a very vast term. What is it where we have the highest opportunity, the best opportunities? So we receive RFQs around cybersecurity audit or assessments, process consulting, cybersecurity evaluation is another type of RFQ that we receive, meaning that you know when OEM have to decide between two kinds of chips, they want to evaluate which one has more cybersecurity properties. So they want some cybersecurity experts to evaluate that. So that is one kind of RFQs we receive. Cybersecurity engineering is practically when you're building an ECU, some engineering work embedded into that. That's the category. We receive that kind of RFQs too. And finally, cybersecurity testing. If you ask me where is the highest amount of money, I would go with cybersecurity testing. Cybersecurity engineering also, because usually this, this kind of package comes within a larger package, like the ECU development as a whole. And then there are some parts which are cybersecurity engineering. You have to implement the cybersecurity. However, there are standalone cybersecurity related tests, like test case definition for cybersecurity in all levels, from vehicle to software, all, all levels, and then fuzz testing, penetration testing, and so on. So testing is one of the key areas. Let's look at it, look at look at some, some more figures from the McKinsey paper. So here, as you can see, what I've just told you the things that I'm feeling from reality, the RFQs, and McKinsey's number, they kind of resonate. McKinsey's prediction makes sense to me. As you can see, software development and testing are gonna be one of the largest chunk of this entire 9.7 billion. And even here, testing is predominantly gonna take a lot of market. So software validation, software integrations, uh, software uh, verification in terms of cybersecurity is 1.1 to 2.9 billion dollar. So keep that in mind. Here is another segment that you got to pay attention to, which is cybersecurity processes. So process-related activities is going to be 2.3 to 2.4 billion, and there will be a peak. I think that we are somehow getting to the peak because people will have to set up the processes. That's why a lot of process consulting-related. RFQs that we're getting, and this is going to be 3.1 in the meantime. Now, cybersecurity solutions, the products that we are seeing in the market, and here, ironically, we're seeing massive investment in cybersecurity solution, automotive cybersecurity solution. We've even seen companies taken over. We, the famous one was reportedly the Israeli cybersecurity solution provider, product provider, um, Agus bought by Continental for half a billion dollar. I mean, we've seen many other acquisitions like that. We've seen the, the very first one, the very early one was Escript bought by uh, Robert Bosch, then Conti bought um, Agus. 
the Israeli company and many other uh, was followed, many smaller ones was also acquired. So all these people, all these companies are focusing on cybersecurity solutions where I see the cybersecurity solution market is relatively smaller compared to the process and the testing and the consulting and all those. Now, here is the thing. If you come back here and if you ask me, where would you want to invest most of your money, most of your time, most of your energy? And where do you see the highest potential? In terms of scaling, obviously it's product development and there are a ton of product development ideas. You can develop products like a firewall. It's like reinventing the same thing with an automotive context. You can develop a, an intrusion detection system and so on. There are many ideas. However, I have bootstrapped my company from zero to multi seven figure and we have even had eight figure deals. So I am more of a bootstrapper. I must mention that we had no external cash injection without any cash injection. So taking venture capital money to develop a product and for four years, three years, making absolutely no revenue is something that I can't sleep with. So I'm a total different kind of entrepreneur in that sense. And that's why I'm gonna focus mostly on how do you build a company? How do you make million in offering your service? So it's a service-based company that I'm more, uh, I have built a service-based company versus product versus company. And now that we're, we're, we're expanding, I would be much more comfortable investing our own money to develop a product and eventually become a product development company. And as you've seen, there are more money in the service than the product in automotive cybersecurity. And that's actually a good news because when it comes to the success rate, your success rate as an entrepreneur is, is going to depend on several factors. And statistically, 95% of the startups fail. However, when you go to service-based, the probability of you failing goes down drastically. And this is what we're gonna focus today. And I'm gonna give you my formula for that. So you've been waiting too long for that. I know that I promised I'm gonna give you how to make millions in the automotive cybersecurity industry. And you must be thinking, hey, Hassan, show us the million dollar formula. So here is the million dollar formula. Before I even go there, I wanna tell you, this is not a get rich quick scheme. There is no such thing. There are too many fake entrepreneurs today in the market. They're promising that you build an e-commerce business, which is absolutely automated. And then you go to Bahamas and Cipro Martinis. That is not reality. I dare you to make one profitable dollar with an e-commerce system that works on its own. It's a hard game. Making money has been simplified with internet and everything, but it's not easy. It's not fast. It takes time. So uh, this is where I'm going to give you my way, the way I have done in the last 10 years and um, give you the bl blueprint of that. And that is definitely not a uh, you know quick scheme or easy scheme. It's going to be hard. That's the bad news. But the good news is it is possible. The opportunity is real. And anybody can capitalize in those opportunities. Again, we talked about a lot of ideas. 
I mean, you can build a cybersecurity test automation. I can give you tens of hundred or maybe 100 product ideas, service ideas around automotive cybersecurity. But here is one quote from Gary Vaynerchuk that I super resonate with. Ideas are nothing. Execution is the game. You know, it's all about doing. And now I guarantee you, I don't know how many people are listening and watching, 98% of you will listen, will get entertained, and then forget about it, never implement. This has been my experience all my life. People like listening and they don't make the move. They don't make the, they don't exit. There are two less of an executors in our society. So it is all about execution. Execution is really the name of the game. No matter where you start, if you don't do it, it's not gonna happen. So what I can tell you is if you try, I cannot guarantee that you'll be successful, but what I can guarantee is if you do not try, you will definitely not gonna be successful. It's success not gonna come to you if you do not try. So it's all about execution. I wanted to, wanted to put that on the table. It's all about execution. Imagine that you want to build a $1 million company that's going to make, make a million within a year or two in automotive cybersecurity space and you're specializing. You're going to go in testing, cybersecurity testing, pen testing, FOSS testing, and, and all kinds of cybersecurity testing. How do you start? Here is the catch. Making million or, and building a business is not a technical problem. It's not about IQ. It's not about how smart you are, how good you know the stuff, what was your GPA in your college, university, and how great of a student you, you were, how many papers you published. It's not about those. IQ has been commoditized. It has been commoditized and it's gonna be more of a community because of AI. AI is gonna do a much better job than us. And I'll tell, share one of my experience with you. I was very skeptic. This is one of the mistakes I've done uh, as an entrepreneur. I was very skeptic with the AI tools coming up. I, I didn't want, I was not using them en enough. I was amazed how good they are. And I'm gonna talk about a particular tool. It's called conversion.ai, it's a marketing tool. So this tool is better than any copywriter, any expert marketer copywriter that, that I've ever seen because this tool works on the basis of data. So what it does is it takes, imagine that you wanna put a Facebook ad, right? What it does is it takes all the top converting Facebook ad because it's got data and gives you a title in your, with your keywords that you've given, let's say automotive cybersecurity uh, testing. And it gives you a title that was highest converting based on data and you can use that. There is no human out there, no matter how good talented you are, who can actually have all the data to give me the best converting title. I'm just talking about one example. It, this tool is massive and there are so many other tools. And what I was trying to say is your talent, your skills, your IQ, that's gonna be taken over by AI. So it's not a technical problem. It's a mindset problem. So you gotta work on your mindset if you wanna build a business. Now, I'm gonna come back to this. We're not talking about making money. You guys will be able to make a lot of money. We're talking about building a business. Okay, I have written making million. I think this is where you really got me. I should have written building a business. There's a difference between making money and building a business. Every one of you will make a lot of money in your life. There is no question about it. Since you are in this talk, that means you are probably 
in Mark student or Mark's followers. So you are in the community, you, you know, you're, you're a computer scientist probably. So you will be having your five bedroom house. You will be making a lot of money. You will be driving your BMW. You will have a great life. We're not talking about that. We're talking about building a business. Building a business is a total different ball game than making a money. Like I said, you know, try and make business that will make $1 profitably. That is hard. That is hard. Building a business is something that where you build a system, a machine that run on its own. I have built a business which is not yet fully a business because without me, it's not going to operate fully. There are certain parts I have been able to set up the process in a way that I, I could make myself obsolete. Uh, but it is still not a full-fledged business that I can uh, step out and it will go on on its own. So that's what we're talking about and that's hard. There are two skills that I vastly lacked when I started my entrepreneurship. And these are the two key skills you're gonna need. Uh, not your IQ, not your technical skill, not your GPA, not your best papers and all those. You're gonna need sales skill. You got to be able to sell and you need to lead people. These are the two key skills. And if I look back 10 years ago, I was never a salesperson. Never. I did all the school book mistakes that one could do in terms of sales. I was never even, even in a sports team. I'm a musician. I'm a, I'm a solo musician. I like doing, you know, I'm a, I, I play guitar and write Bob Dylan songs, my own version of Bob Dylan songs. I never even played in a band. I was never the captain of the sports team. I never led a team. I never had no experience in leadership. I was never a leader. So I had no leadership experience. I had no sales experience. That's the, actually the good news. That means if I can do it, anybody can do it. That's the good news. These are the two skills you're going to need. And this is definitely not going to be a sales training or a leadership training. I'm going to give you more of a framework to get there. How do you get there? So we're going to go even one step backward before the sales and leadership, before you've started your entrepreneurship. So here is my formula for entrepreneurship. So you have to have extreme drive, desire, or motivation, whatever you want to call it. And here's the deal. Nobody can teach you. People can teach you to sell. People can teach you leadership, but nobody can teach you to be more motivated. You can't be trained to be more motivated. It has to come from within. And I'm going to tell you in the next slide, what is the difference between learning a skill and attaining motivation? What you need is transformation. You cannot learn it. You need transformation. Second thing you need is you, can, you need belief. It's like a religion. I mean, building a business is, is so much analogical to a religion, you know. I tell people that, you know, entrepreneurship has been my religion for the last 10 years. I've been sleeping, eating, dreaming, living entrepreneurship for the last 10 years. And this is how it is. So you got to believe in yourself. You really, really have to, have to have this belief. Again, nobody can teach you to attain your belief in yourself. This is, again, a transformational thing. The last thing you need is perseverance, meaning there is no way to give up. You only lose when you give up. Redefining failure. Perseverance is name of the game. So these are the three things. If you can have it, you can start entrepreneurship. It is going to be very hard for you, if not impossible, if you do not have that framework before you start your entrepreneurship. I'm going to refer to a very interesting study, research, Google did on their employees. I'm talking about Google employees, the best of the best, right? So they were trying to figure out who are their best employees and why. 
It turns out Google's best employees were not the top uh, Ivy League students, were not the top graders. It was those people who went through a transformational experience in their life. And what do I mean by that? Transformational experiences can happen in one of the three ways. This part that you're seeing, these are my theories. Within the extraordinary hardship that you go through and experience, sometimes life and death situation, losing your loved ones, or extremely, extremely hard situation, or extreme discipline over a long time. When I say extreme discipline over a long time, I mean decades or transcending experiences. So all those Google employees that I'm talking about, they went through some extraordinary hardship in their life. So here is a caveat to that. If you just have an extraordinary hardship in your life, really, really tragic experience doesn't mean that you're gonna be transformed through something. There is a caveat to that. It is all about how you take it. There are some people who say, hey, I'm totally destroyed because of this event in my life. I don't know where to go, what to do. And there are some others who say, this is a lesson the universe gave to me and I'm gonna learn from it and I'm gonna bounce back. And these were the people who were the best employees of Google. So transformation is something that is not learnable. It's not learning. The difference between learning and transformation is when you learn something, you can unlearn it. There's a learning curve. If you don't do it for a long time, you unlearn it. But transformation takes your mental state at a point. There is, you'll see the whole world. The perspective will be different. You'll see the whole world in a different way. And that's what transformation is. And you can get to higher motivation. You know, the higher it is, it's like you got to go for it as if your life depends on it and you'll achieve anything. You will believe it and then you will never, never give up because of your drive. The motivation is so, so much. And that's what, uh, to me, entrepreneurship is. Now, those were like the mindset thing. And I'm going to end with some of the tactical things here. How are you doing time-wise? So I'll have seven more minutes. I'm going to give you some tactics as well. Not only the mindset issue, but really, believe me, mindset is far more important than the tactical things that I'm going to talk about because these things you can learn you will be learning these things. If I can learn sales and leadership, anything is learnable. There is no question about it. I had zero sales skill, zero leadership skills, and now I sell multi-million dollar deals. I lead more than 50 people in my company. So I built several companies. So these are learnable, but the mindset is really the key. Now let's come to tactics. There are three things that I wish I had known five years ago, 10 years ago. And these are these three things. I wish I had understood money the way I do now. I wish I had understood leverage, the power of leverage the way I do now. And I wish I had understood the Hollywood effect formula the way I understand it now. Let's talk about understanding money. Now, in this slide, there is something missing, but I'm gonna try and tell you what it is it missing. So you gotta somehow find out what is your hourly worth you know, to understand money. So some people are at the stage in the spectrum, they're making $10 an hour. Some people are making $100 an hour. Some people are making $1,000 an hour, $10,000 an hour, $100,000 an hour, even a billion dollar an hour. It goes on and on. Now, a lot of people talk about passive income these days. In my opinion, I have a very radical standpoint. There's no such thing as passive income because you have to spend some time, even if you have a billion dollar portfolio of stock, you got to 
manage them. You have to spend some of your time. And this is exactly what Warren Buffett does. Probably his hours are worth billion. So you will be somewhere at here in this spectrum, $10, $100, or $1,000. So what you should do is you have to identify where you are. Let's say you are at the $100 an hour spectrum. You have to delegate all the work that you do, which is less than $100 an hour to other people and try to push yourself toward the higher end of the spectrum. That is essential for entrepreneurship. My coach, my business coach, Craig Ballantyne says, there's five letter sentence that's gonna kill you. I am going to do it myself. So there's no way you can do it yourself and this is where you have to understand money and you got to delegate. This was the message of the slide. I apologize again for the missing information here. Understand leverage. There's several kinds of leverage. You have to leverage other people's time. You only have 24 hours in a day. You got to use other people's time. You got to have that leverage. You have to utilize other people's money. There is no way you will be able to scale uh, a business if you do not utilize other people's money. You have to utilize other people's money. You have to take leverage of that. There is no way you will be able to become an expert of everything. There's always best people for every aspect and you have to go to those people. You have to understand, you have to leverage their experience. Someone who has worked 20 years in the sales field, talk to that person for one hour. You will get almost the best things he got out of this 20, 20 years. So leveraging other people's experience is so important. Leveraging other people's ideas. None of the best companies in the world, the top companies in the world, were original ideas. It was ideas about other people. Like I said, it's not about idea. It's not about you being the smartest guy. It's all about mindset. And there is nothing wrong in leveraging other people's time, money, experience, and idea. It is really the name of the game. Finally, I want to tell you the Hollywood formula. Again, this is what's something that I wish I started 10 years ago is... Today, we live in a society that is drastically different from the time of our grandparents, let's say. In order for us to reach out to a community, to a bunch of people, we just have to put our stuff in the internet. Probably our grandparents had to do something extraordinarily revolutionary to do such things. And uh, this is what I call the Hollywood effect formula. You know, what is the capital of Kim Kardashian? Billions of people knows her and you can have Almost the same leverage within 800 people within your cybersecurity, automotive cybersecurity community. You just have to put the content in the internet and show your authority. And this is superpower. You know, you got to communicate. If you want to build a business, you got to communicate. You got to advertise. You know, this is what I didn't do 10 years ago. You got to advertise and advertising has never been that simple. It's not easy. People will tell you it's easy. It's not. It is simple. It is possible for people like you and me, which 20 years ago was somehow not even possible. There were gatekeepers. It was much more complex. Now it's simple. It is, it is accessible, but it's not easy. Don't believe those people who's telling you Facebook ads, making money is easy. It's not easy. Reach out to people. You got to reach out to people. By advertising, by communicating, you got to reach out to people. You may have the best solution in the world, but if people don't know you, it's not gonna work. And another thing that I touched base a little bit is automate. 
like I said, I mean, I was very skeptic about buying tools that automates business processes, automates AI kind of tools. But there are tools out there where we could actually um, do work of three full-time employees. There are tools out there in our business process. So you got to automate. Everything will be automated anyway. If you are slow in the game, you're missing out a lot. So this is what really I have gained uh, in the last 10 years uh, in my entrepreneurship journey. I wish someone would have told me this 10 years ago. That would have saved me, saved me a lot of hurdle, a lot of thoughts. Again, I'm coming back to uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, the person that I really, really resonate with. Ideas are nothing. I could tell you stories about the ideas I had for many big things other people did, but that doesn't bring me any credit or anything. Nobody's interested in that. It's all, all about execution. So please, please, from this talk, if you got inspired, if you got some values, I want you to go and execute. And this is what I want you to do. If you ever get benefited from some of the things that I've told you today, I want you to write an email and that means a lot to me.